I'm so glad to see that you're feeling better. You had a very close call. But you're gonna be all right. Now, just lie still. I'm gonna give you something. It's gonna make you feel even better. Musical fun time. He was just like, yeah, you know, like all, all these dudes, like, you know, they, they, they tried to rape me. So, you know, like I killed them. It's like, dude, you killed like quite a few people. How many people raped you and then you killed them? It's like, you know, the whole, uh. What's her face defense? Um, she was asking for it. No, what's her name? Uh, just like the biggest, Eileen Warnos. Yeah, that was like her defense. Like yeah. uh, they all tried to rape her. They did. Prove me wrong. Rape you? I don't think it's true. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. All right. Well, let's get her started. Let's get started in here. Yeah, 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 music from decades. Oh. Yeah, 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 music is now oh. another episode where Dick Fetty talks the whole time and then the Beardo just comments. Comment, comments. Haley's comment. That was We're a back. Stretch. We're back. <laughs> We're back. Bearded Dick, musical death metal, fun time, tubular bells. Want to talk about Paul Oakenfield? I want to talk about the Exorcist soundtrack. I want to talk about Mythbusters. I do want to talk about the Exorcist soundtrack, but we're not going to. It's Oldenfield. Oakenfield's the trans DJ. Oldenfield's the guy who did Tubular Bells, which is sampled, which is just used for the Exorcist soundtrack. Yeah, and it's used, what, once in the movie? Maybe twice? I think it's twice. But it's like the thing. That's the theme. It's just a portion of that song. So, welcome to the Bearded Dick's <laughs> Musical Fun Time. Oh, okay, you're going to do the real intro now. I'm Bearded Dick. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just some guy who wandered it up off the street real drunk. Yep, that's right. You have to do both of our voices for this whole episode now since you're Yeehaw. the Bearded Dick. <laughs> yep, that's what I sound like. Come on, cowboy. I'm a rootin' tootin' Tim McGraw <laughs> shootin' cowboy. No, I'm not gonna... I got Mountain Dew in my cup holder. Edit that out. Now it sounds like I want to kill Tim McGraw. I'm uh, <laughs> just gonna leave it in so it says, kill Tim McGraw. Kill Tim McGraw. Uh, kill Tim McGraw. Uh, kill Tim McGraw. Uh, oh my God. Contact the FBI. The Fun Boys Institution? Yeah. Is, is there another word that it stands for? All right, so let's get back <laughs> to it. We're covering uh, until the future is now. We're going to be talking about the past. I'm talking. I'm talking about the last decade. What's good with that? I well, like. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. I like that now. BDMFT has just become just our interests, but Motel Hell because it's just now we have a multi-part series on BDMFT, which is. Not the format. Yeah, sure sure isn't. By the time we get to my section, I'm just going to be like, nah. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, so anyways, we're covering what are, in my opinion, my favorite records of the past decade. So last time we got through 2010 and 2011. At the start of the episode, we thought we would cover all 10 years. How sadly delusional I was. If we had recorded for 10 hours, we might have. But we did not. At two hours, we covered 
two years. Yeah, we're not some YouTuber who can bang this out in 20 minutes. Yeah, I can barely bang. I'm so old. My hips hurt. Uh, tonight oh. we're going to do 2012. I, if- want you, I want you guys <laughs> to know that earlier today, uh, Dick Fetty and I were on a walk. We had to make several stops, uh-huh. and we were in a Walgreens. <laughs> And I thought he was joking, but Dick Fetty was like, I need I need that rope for the glasses, you know, so they hang around your neck. And I thought he was joking. He was not joking. Anytime I bend over to look at something, tie my shoes, like do a thing, my glasses slide right off my face. They're not they're not fitted appropriately. And now at four years I need a new prescrip new pair anyways, I need to get my eyes did, but but until I do that and I am profoundly lazy I would rather have the quick fix of a rope. I'm just going to tie string or maybe even like just use a wire hanger. I don't know. So not only are you going to be a 72-year-old woman, but you'll be a homeless 72-year-old woman. <laughs> I have a close friend whose mother had a pair of sunglasses and one of the arms broke and she just didn't do anything. Like, so she just wore them with them always crooked <laughs> lying around for like an extended period of time and... I love her very much, and I feel badly laughing about it, but it was It's insane. funny. It was funny. She doesn't listen to this. I sure hope not. God, her son be... probably doesn't listen to this. He does, but... No. so Mention his full name and address right now. No. All right. So, 2012 is probably the most jam-packed year of the whole decade, at least for what I like. I struggled to put in records I wanted to put in that were favorites versus ones that were that are favorites now versus ones that were favorites then versus ones that were kind of important. The list runs a whole gamut and well, I guess we just have to get into it so I can start to explain. How much Shania Twain? None. The mm. exact right amount. So the first one is Anatomia's Decaying and Obscurity. I purchased this record the following year what I'm just it's I every time you mention Anatomia I just look behind you in the room where we record and there's not one there's not two but there are three Anatomia posters and there's a giggle and there's a fourth one on the door yeah but I can't see that one when you walk in doesn't exist it's purple and black that's true it's pretty yeah but the the ones these are cool because it's the decaying and obscurity cranial obsession dissected humanity posters all of which are red gray and black And they're all illustrated by the same guy who has this very bizarre, beautiful style. And slowly I've added in some more stuff. I think I'm going to swap that slip mat out from Zaster with the Gogoroth thing I put up there because it doesn't fit there very well. But anyway, yeah, I'm a big Anatomia fan. And so the the year prior to getting this album, I had bought their demo re-release 10-inch and their first album on vinyl at MDF. Then the next year when this album was available, I didn't buy it because I was so drunk that I, it was a whole, it was pre-sobriety, it was bad, it was rough. I was just so drunk I couldn't do non-drunk no, people I, I kept trying to buy these tapes and I kept like, the guy had like a hundred tapes on a table and I just kept knocking off like tons of, <laughs> like and shattering the cases. He was like, please leave, you are hammered. I was like, gotta get this Molly Cruz for my girlfriend. He was like, she doesn't want it, go away. <laughs> I still have that Molly Crew tape. I will give it to you if you just leave now. Literally, he gave me the tapes. <laughs> I had a Saxon tape, a Molly Crew tape, and I forget the other one. 
And my girlfriend at the time, I brought him home. I was like, oh, God, she did tape. She was like, I don't want these. I was like, okay, well. I hate he Motley Crue. Right. You know, she loved Motley Crue. She was like, I don't have a tape player. Why do I? Why would I want this? So I thought It was it like when you bought me my first record. And I was like, I love this and I love you, but what do I do with this? Sure, yeah, you have to eat it. <laughs> so <laughs> Decaying in Obscurity was released on Nuclear War Now. It is... I kind of like Cranial Obsession better, but it's this is I don't know like it's hard to say which one's a better album. Probably this one just because it doesn't end with 15 minutes of like decrepit ambience. Although I kind of love that too about Cranial Obsession. <laughs> I don't. Know. It's kind of really good. The the thing that Anatomia does is they take the best parts about the four first four Autopsy records, they put those into new songs that have disgustingly rank production, and then they make new songs out of those best parts, add in Japanese sensibilities, and then make it better. And I have reviewed every Anatomia album and a bunch of their 7 Inches on Motahal and BDMFT. Have you? Over the past three years. I had no idea. I've reviewed this record, I think, twice because it's that good. And there is a song called Dead Body Art that fucking rules so hard. It's sort of, in some ways, atypical of the rest of the record, but it's also, like, the one that most clearly signaled where they were going afterwards, and it's incredible. I'm going to play a clip for you now, and then I'm going to play a very short clip of the last song, which features these creepy keyboards that, again... Or creep boards, if you will. I I will. Actually, I love that. (laughs) I will. Which sort of signaled where they were going with their seven inches afterwards. This also, I think this is the album that doesn't have their female, did it have their female keyboardist? I forget if she was on this or if she was on a couple seven inches after. But anyways, dead body art, let's fucking do it. tell from that sample the song is disgusting it sounds like <laughs> it's absolutely gross yeah just a bunch of uh, undead japanese dudes trapped in a basement uh, from evil dead trap like vomiting up black gargled intestines and then and, and then playing their death metal 
And it's just, it's all just so like putrid and so delightfully just like sticky and goopy. And everything about it sounds old in the best way. Like it sounds so analog and not, and I don't know. There's just no other death metal band doing this exact thing. And thank God for that. They really, and this album just knocks it out of the fucking park. And I, like I said, I'm going to show you very quickly the, the last song on the album. This is Moans from Beyond the Grave. have these spooky keyboards these cleaner guitar bits this is the the sort of formula to me of the best anatomia songs is that they have uh sort of like you know mid to slow paced riffing i mean it's basically every anatomia song don't get twisted but it's it's mid to slow paced then they'll have like some kind of breakdown but it's basically it's a breakdown in the sense of the way a car breaks down, where the drums are just like ding dum boom, and then it just goes into an even slower riff. But the riff slays super hard, and then there's like a drifty keyboard outro that just sounds like maggots eating the brain of a zombie as it's walking around. A lot of zombie imagery. Yeah, it, there really is, and uh, Autopsy use it a ton. And especially their new stuff, the imagery is really gorgeous, but it's way too colorful. Whereas Anatomia's black, silver, and bloody red is the perfect thing. And yeah, anyways, this this record just fucking rules. Cranial Obsession is just as good. It's just different. The guitar sound is very different. The structures are similar. And I think some of the songs are better. But this one, this one is just like, it's the ultimate putrid record they've done thus far. And they've been around for 20 years now almost, and they've only put out three albums. They put out a shitload of seven inches, which are almost all good. But yeah, any of their full lengths are good. Um, but this was also a huge step up from their first full length, which is really solid. But this one like takes it into a bunch of new directions and adds a lot more depth to the sound. So n- Nuclear War Now, double LP, uh, CD, still available-ish. Get it? It fucking rules. Uh, the next one is Black Marble, a different arrangement on Hardly Art on LP and CD. And I don't have a lot to say about Black Marble other than my friend Daffy showed me their work probably in 2012. I listened to it and thought this is cool. I listened to a couple of songs and thought thought these all sound the same. 
And then I didn't really come back to them until 2017. And I saw them live with Alexa when we were very early on dating. And they put on a great show. And I listened to a little bit of their work beforehand, but I really got into it kind of after that. And all their songs do kind of sound the same because they basically, it's like this one dude's very sort of uh, disaffected voice and these shitty little drum machine and guitar. But the simplicity works really well in the in the same way that like really good techno kind of can sound the same over yeah. and over, but it's the way that the elements are used to create slightly different variations and the lyrics are also really good it's just this like uh really sad weird music and i remember reading this guy's facebook post from the, the band he said i think i can't remember exactly so apologize if i misphrase it but he was like there's a song that's played i think and it follows on one of the car radios while they're something's happening and he's like, if like the whole point of this band is just to sound like this fictional band in a movie set in like a fake version of the pseudo eighties, he's like, that's what we want to be. And it totally nails it. If I'm even remembering the quote, right. Uh, because this band sounds like they're from the eighties, but also very much from 2012 or 15. So or it's very 20. much in the vein of it follows them. Right. Exactly. I think this is one of the few bands on this list that I've never actually listened to. Here is Black Marbles, a different arrangement. They do it well. They do that thing over and over. The albums are all short and sweet. And so even if the thing is slightly repetitive, it's a good thing if you like it and it's there for the perfect amount of time. I also really like his lyrics, which are not always super decipherable, but they have that right level of like kind of weird sadness mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. sort of gothy but pastel colored goth thing going really yeah, it's well. Pastel goth, that's a thing. Yeah, I think it is a thing. So, yeah, this this is a record. This is a band that, like I said, I didn't really get into until five years after this. But their second album is really good. It's immaterial, but a different arrangement's the best. It's the best. Now the next one, I'm gonna try to not go on and on and on and on about. Which means you're going to. Yeah, right. So Dead Can Dance, Anastasis. Mm, mm -hmm, This was their big comeback record. 
and uh, what was it? Spirit Chaser, Spirit Dreamer, Dream Chaser, Dream Spirit, whatever their album was before it. It's sort of like the least as far as Dead Can Dance albums go. It it was good, but it just compared to the all of the albums that came before it, and then in my opinion, compared to Anastasis, like it's a sits in a weird place. But anyways, Anastasis comes kind of out of nowhere. Lisa Gerard's been doing soundtrack work for ages at this point, and um, dude, oh, it's not Matthew Perry, but it's fuck, it's not Matthew Lillard. I'm just thinking of '90s actors now. Luke Perry. Luke Perry. God. I can't think of the guy's name, but anyways. Jennifer Aniston. (laughs) (laughs) They crush it together, and their complimentary vocals. Freddie Prince Jr. Lisa Gerard's sort of glossolalia, glossinalia, whatever the heck it's called. Nonsense singing, like her own sort of made-up language stuff. And then his... Fuck, it's so close. It's on the tip of my brain. Uh, his, his, like, I guess baritone, I don't know my music smart words, but I Daniel think Daniel Day-Lewis. I think he's a baritone. Uh, his voice is so beautiful and their lyrics are so gorgeous when they're actual English words. Will Smith. Stop. And the instrumentation, it's just, it's all the things that you would like to hear in a Dead Can Dance record. They're there. And it's a relatively compact album at, I think, what, eight or nine songs? I think it's eight songs. And the only flaw in the whole record is that it was brick wall mastered so that it everything is... There's very little dynamic range in the sound. And I don't know why a band like this would do this, but it's the way that I master my own music for power electronics where there's like no dynamic range and it's just all frequencies bashing you in the skull. Not on every track, but most of them. Because when you record it to tape and then even crank it up from there, it's super assaultive. When I listen to Dead Can Dance, I don't want to feel like I'm being assaulted. And the on top of all that, there's a mastering defect so that in the song Opium, when you play it from the record or an MP3 or the CD, there is a digital glitchy sound that comes oh, in. No. And it's on all of them. And it's one of the best songs on the album, so it really fucking sucks. Because I, I think I... Did I buy a new record player? I certainly bought a new needle for my record player, only to find out that it wasn't the fucking needle or the record player or my stereo system. I recorded my whole system trying to get rid of this glitch, and then I was listening to the digital file and realized, oh, it's just a mastering defect. Yeah, but like, how much better did your whole setup sound after that? None. No. Yeah, maybe even worse. But those minor foibles aside, this record is a fucking landmark. It's so good. Not everybody feels that way. Probably people that are fans much longer. But for me, it was the first Dead Can Dance record that came out after I was already a huge fan of the band. So it was like the Dead Can Dance record for me. It came out right after I got back from Russia. But the Amnesia, the lead single for it, came out before it, which I listened to the shit out of it when I was in Russia. I read Book of the New Sun's first half leading into my trip to Russia and in Russia. And then this record came out. I got it and read the second two books to the series while listening to this record. And it was a primo soundtrack for it. The songs themselves and like the lyrics and everything about it so much echo the first, well, really the whole series, but especially 
the first two books, you could almost track like what happens in those books to what these songs are about in a weird way. And my friend Jared, who's also a massive Dead Can Dance fan and Book of the New Sun fan, like we came up with this whole theory about it. And we were doing all this and then also playing the game Daisy back when that was a thing, which mostly is you just running in the woods trying not to die. And then I was in Russia in those very same kinds of woods doing butt drugs, and that's a whole other thing too. Wait, wait, wait. We're just... So... Our previous episode, you tell these drug stories, and you're just going to gloss over the word butt drugs. Also, secondary statement, there are a few things better in this world than finding a perfect soundtrack to a book. Yeah, true. And yes, butt drugs is too long of a story to get into tonight because we'll be here until four in the morning. I will tell the butt drug story as We're Patreon gonna get bonus so many content. fucking emails. That's fine. So, the point being that I was in the woods just shoving stuff in my butt. Yeah. Whatever you want to believe, listeners. This album wasn't a slow burn. It wasn't I came back five years later. The moment it came out and the first time I heard it, I was like, this album is my album of the year. This is amazing. Everything about this is great. And I continue to feel that way every time I listen to it. I've had... I got sober on March 29th, 2013... But two days later, I found mushrooms in my room and I took them. So I had to move my sobriety date to the next day. The thing that I listened to, the last trip I've ever taken and probably ever will, was this album. Start to back, like the whole thing. It's so amazing. (laughs) And if you like mushrooms, I would highly recommend listening to this album while you eat mushrooms. He also threw up those mushrooms and then re-ate them. Yeah, but I, I mean, I threw them up immediately after eating I'm them. I'm not judging you. I've done the same thing. I know, I know. But I just want our listeners to know, well, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Whatever. I, yeah, shameless here. I'm just I'm just still upset about not hearing about the butt drugs. I can go on and on about this record, but I'm going to stop and just play you a clip from the song Kiko, which is the fifth track. This is one of the ones with Lisa Gerard doing vocals. And all of... All of the songs, they're they're all long. They're epics. They're like, you got to listen to the whole thing. I just love long fucking music. What can I say? But I'm going to try to play like a one minute clip of why this song is so good. This shit sounds like... <sighs> this is also one of the things that we played Bloodborne to. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. It, 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 one of the reasons I love Oak so much, and I'll get to this in two years... <laughs> well, when I covered 2014, rather, or 16, or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, 15. when we get there in two fucking years. Yeah. Um, I'll talk about this, but this band and this record is is basically like the template for what makes Oak so good, just deciphered through Bergain's techno culture. Um, but anyways, this is Kiko by Dead Can Dance from Anastasis.
like so good. Oh my god, that the midway breakdown and then her her vocals come back in and it's just like. Uh, Is it weird that it makes me want to smoke opium in like a back alley room in a country I don't speak the language in? No, I mean the next song is called Opium. Yes, yeah, true. That's true. Yeah. So it's it's just it's like this. Uh, it's good. It's so much. I don't know. It's it's music that to me I listen to a lot of trash and functional music that like provides a functional service and it sometimes transcends that purpose. But this is music that's already like transcendent. And I know that's so whatever to say about a band like Dead Can Dance, but they fucking truly do it. Like they, the one dude lives in a castle in the middle of a river in Ireland. And then Lisa Gerard, I don't know, just like lives in the literal clouds or some shit. Probably <laughs> she probably has a deal with some secret shadow nation to, to live like a divine goddess. Like they just do whatever they want. They play all the instruments. They don't, not every recording is them playing the instruments, but they have the ability to play instruments from all around the world both the money, the time, and the skill to do all that and then create these like massive, beautiful compositions that basically use world music, like, you know, ethnic music from all over the world to create these quilt works of human experience and musical knowledge that becomes then universal so that whether you're from Turkey or South Africa or United States or Russia, you can hear instruments that are familiar and compositions that make sense and at the same time are foreign and beautiful. And it all has, like, by its very alchemical nature, a mystic quality that then transcends normal music. So, at least that's sort of my thesis on why <laughs> Dead Dance are so good. I fucking love this record. And this this is like, you know, I talk, we talked last time about, like, a top five or top ten list of the whole decade. Like, this is probably number one. This record just blows me the fuck away. So, and I don't even really like the last two tracks that much, but that's how good the first six are. It's fucking insane. Oh my God. All right. Uh, next one is Grimes, Visions, her, I don't know, like, I guess her like big come up album. I don't know that it was really her true first album. This is one I almost never listen to now. It's partially because it's tied to all the drugs I did when it came out and then all the drugs I did for the next like year and a half after it came out. I saw her twice and I can't remember it. No, of all the drugs. you were No, on? no, no, no. So the second time I'm pretty sure I saw her sober, but the first time I was only drunk, but it was at the church mm -hmm. and it was so extremely hot. And I had all these people with me and the very short story is like one of the people, <laughs> one of the people that I met there, her and I were like, we should definitely go buy like a ton of Coke as soon as possible. And I had a bunch of people that were traveling with me and wanted to go home afterwards. But we went, we went together after the show to a Coke dealer's house and then just like left our respective car loads of people in the car <laughs> waiting for us. And we're like, we have to go do a thing. And everybody knows that I'm a Cokehead yet. Like they all just don't want to believe the reality. So I go in, I do a bunch of Coke, buy a bunch of Coke and then I go back to the car and everybody's like, what were you doing? And I was like, nothing, don't worry about it. And then I go home and basically send some of the people away and some of them can stay and some of them I tell that I have Coke and some of them I don't. And, you know, but it was just like this, like, it was just so, it was not appropriate. <laughs> and, but seeing her live at the First Unitarian Church, for anybody who's been to that venue, 
in the summertime or anytime it's not like negative 400 degrees outside it's 4000 degrees yes, inside it is a so sweltering much. oven and this was i think in may but i can't really remember and it was just like it was so hot everybody was moving so hard it was so much fun like it was just a wild like sexy sloppy time and maybe i did see her I don't know if I was like on a bunch of dope when I saw her later, because I might have seen her later that same year. But Grimes was really cool, and now she dates Elon Musk, or I don't even know if she still does that, and she made those like... Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, that was like a big thing like a year or two ago. She went to... It huh. was at the Met Gala event, I think it was, where she came out. She had like a collar on, and it was a whole thing. It was weird. He is such a weird celebrity. Yeah, he is. And Grimes is weird, too. Like, she made these, like, vagina-shaped, like, huge rings, and she lived on a houseboat for a while. She's got a crazy story, and I really like some of her music, but it also... Like, she quickly went from releasing this incredible one-of-a-kind album on 4AD, same label that put out Dead Can Dance, to... And Space Goes Perp. To... Space Goes Ring, Perp! Uh, to then being, like, way too caught up in how great and weird she was like she's like the weird chick from school that you're like i want to do e with but probably should take penicillin after i bang her when she, we're all fucked like up in the field all those girls and all those movies in the late 90s early 2000s like the pixie like i'm weird and yeah she's like dharma from dharma and greg if dharma was even hot like She's not even... I didn't realize you had enough Dharma and Greg knowledge to make a Dharma and Greg reference. <laughs> I really liked that show when I was younger. I don't so know. So did I. I watched <laughs> it with my mom. Yeah, me too. Um, Maybe that's why our generation's so cool with, like, like we don't care if you're gay. Anyway, anyway. Yeah. 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 Anyways, I'm not even going to play Grimes because there's no point. Um, it, like, she's really... It's a great album, but it's one of those where I try to listen to it now, and I'm like, I, I really got to be in I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. If it's not spring, I'm not even into it. Um, we could go get a bunch of cocaine right now. I would probably be into grabs if I did a couple couple <laughs> little liney poos. But uh, that's beside the point. We're staying sober. So, Crocturum. It's weird how you did air quotes when you said stink. So, anyway, go ahead. Uh, so, Crocturum is my next <laughs> record. Crocturum. I believe it means empty room. It's called Tonka and Cener Del 1, or I, or L, on Jar Technet, which is a Swedish tape and LP label. This was 2012, I think, was when the label started, memory serves me right, and this was in the very, or maybe it was 2011, and this was the first LP run they did. They did a, a couple of, there was the Bloodvite LP that came out with this, the Copper Roof Houses reissue from, which was a posh isolation comp, and I think there might have been one other record, this was the one I expected the least from, and again, is one of those records that has completely changed the game. I got this before I went to Russia, and this was my soundtrack prior to having Anastasis by Dead Can Dance for Book of the New Sun. And the whole record is basically what sounds like minimally treated tape loops and field recordings. And so the first song, the A side is like 20 minutes long or 18 minutes long and then a two minute track. And then the B side has like six or seven tracks that are much shorter. But it's this little hand organ or some kind of like, I think it's an organ synth doing this drone. And then this just sort of like tied in a lake, the little ebb and flow of tiny waves back and forth kind of a thing sound for 20 minutes 
with a little bit more going on than that. But essentially, it's the sound, to me, of what I envision being like Gothenburg, the outside of Gothenburg, Sweden, on some lake with an old cabin and a bunch of leaves turning orange and reeds and you this kind fall? of stuff. Yeah, like fall. And, okay. and, right, but I mean this like sort of weird, not too, too, too far removed from the urban life, but like, you know, a, a clear attempt to escape and capture the essence of fall in its loneliness and isolation, but also the tranquility of that. And it's just like a, it's a very minimal record. And it's, to me, surprising how effective it is. It's, it's like so much better than most. I'm not really into field recordings and stuff like that. Like this just has just enough manipulation to really keep me coming back. And then the last song on it, which I'm going to play for a second is this like string instrument looping thing that I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's just profoundly gorgeous, especially after the 38 minutes of weird, field recording sound manipulation that precedes it and then you get this like very what to me is like a clearly emotional sounding like little ditty at the end which is just a weird well a gorgeous way to wrap it up but this record again like 10 out of 5 stars just untouchable their second album was good but like this first one was a fucking revelation to me so I'm going to play the last track from Krokdorum's first album So, yeah, it's it's not very impressive in and of itself, but if you like listen it. to the whole 
record yeah and read a book while you do it it's the kind of music it's it's music for fall for sure or even the summertime it's music for like a cracked window oh yeah like you know you could put it on quietly and also hear sounds while you read something and have like a lit cigarette it's just it evokes a very specific image of something i both did but also continued to want to do really good shit uh the next one is kendrick lamar's good kid mad city I'm not going to go into this for obvious reasons. It's Kendrick Lamar. You know it. Yeah, it's like the big one. A big part of why this is on the list is that... I don't even remember... I think I I told the whole story about the... House Harafna, Coke, Mushrooms, LSD, Seizures, DC, yep. Insanity... I think that I heard Kendrick Lamar at the end of that weekend. I heard <laughs> at some point that song ADHD and was like, "This is cool." And then I somehow heard him again. I think again in DC, and then I got this record. I download. Yeah, that's right. It was. It was. It was right. This was right before I got sober. So it was like two months before I got sober. I heard a song in DC. This album had been out. I came home. I downloaded it. I was in. I mean, this is like days a couple weeks before i got sober i was in a blackout playing far cry 3 listening to this album very loudly <laughs> got in a big fight with my parents because i was like allegedly super drunk at two in the afternoon in my bathrobe on their couch and they didn't really take kindly to that yada 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 and you know within a month of getting sober before i got sober i had a weekend where i had the house to myself my parents house to myself and just drank nonstop as I was wont to do and listen to the song swimming pools. Like, I don't know how many 30 times, like it, it's, it's a song about alcoholism. And I was like, this is my life. I like, just imagine you in like an open hanging bathrobe. Yes. And, like dirty, You've seen the big red one. Yeah, dirty, ill fitting underwear, just like drunkenly dancing around and pouring yourself in the drink in the kitchen and like mosey on back to the couch. Yeah, no, this was me silently sobbing while I listened to swimming pools for like the 17th time in a row while I just couldn't stop drinking even though I didn't want to drink. Like yeah, that, I mean, either, either one's good. Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit of both, but that was, that was the shit. And then by the time when I got sober, this record became a lot less fun to listen to. It's an amazing album and it's it definitely is like one of the... You know, it's easy to put it in top rap albums of the decade or of all time or whatever. It has an incredible, like, whole conceptual flow and the songs themselves are amazing. But Swimming Pools was, like, it just, I mean, it's a song about alcoholism that totally nails it. And, like, the whole the whole thing about, like, you know, stand up, drink, sit down, drink, you know, whatever. Like, that was my life. It was just, like, I was just drinking when I was told to drink in my brain. So, anyway... That was a, that was a good. And if you want to check that out, check out the check out the long version of Swimming Pools too. It's got to be the full version, not that that fucking singles added bullshit. Uh, on the other side of the rap coin, I sure wish I had heard this when I was drinking. Little Ugly Man's Mr. Thug Isolation, which is what uh, those are just a bunch of words you just said to me. Okay, I sure wish I had heard this when I no, was no, still no, drinking. Not that part. The Little Ugly Man's Mr. Thug Isolation. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> So I have one of the reissued versions of the LP. Thanks to my buddy Luke for that. It's so sick. 
My friend Daffy showed me this record when I was sitting for the bar exam and was like a few months sober. And I was like, what the fuck? How do I hear this now? Like, I wish I could be doing drugs Might to well you. relapse. Seriously. It's uh, not nearly as well known as Kendrick Lamar, obviously. But it's kind of a big deal, especially if you're even remotely interested in 3-6 Mafia's early glory days. This is the record made by a white dude who was in, was a noise guy. And then said, fuck noise, I'm going to make hip-hop instead. And studied the textbook of, um, what is it, Tommy Wright III and other Memphis hip-hop mixtapes from the early and mid-90s. And then just made this Fruity Loops version in the best way possible of all that. The lyrics are fucking dumb but brilliant. The songs are often ultra-repetitive. But the beats and the bass and the whole attitude of just like this pitch-shifted nightmare bullshit ridiculous cup full of Beetlejuice guzzle it down. Like, I mean, send them to the essence. Uh, what is it? Bitch, I'm lugubrious. I mean, it's just, it's outrageous, but it's so consistently like fucking killer. And the production, the whole mid-90s like ultra... Um, digital art bullshit that's on it it's all like skeletons with sunglasses and like gold chains and gravestones it's fucking bananas and uh <laughs> the guy my guy kills it let's let's i'm gonna play oh dang uh <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck too many bangers yeah seriously I, i'm gonna play uh should we do twisting a cup full of beetlejuice uh, yeah, we gotta play Twistin. Yeah. So this is Twistin' with Denzel Curry, which is how I first heard Denzel Curry. It's too sick. It's like that good bass, too. That big, heavy, sub-rattling. Big titty bass. Yeah, big titty bass. It's good. It's good music. Uh, there's... I've never really heard... I've heard two of his EPs besides this. I haven't heard all of the crazy, like, weirdo-issued shit he's done afterwards. Uh, there's a massive... It's like Hype Machine, Supreme-type, Bape level fashion music at this point his records sell for like obscene prices 
and he has all these t-shirts. I mean, it's all like cool stuff. And if you're making money, like what the, you know, but it's also like, I don't know. It's just too hard. There's, it's too yeah. hard to listen to his music or be involved in that way. And I know some people that know him personally and like, he's supposedly a cool dude and whatever, but I don't know. This is like a sort of, I, I don't think there'll ever be an equivalent sort of look back that's so successful at kind of capturing a thing, but also lying about the way it really was and reimagining it for modern audiences so effectively by a white dude from Virginia. So <laughs> thank you, little ugly man. You did a great job. Maybe is it, is it Maryland? I can't remember. You look at me like I know. I don't. So the next one is a quickie. Mutant video, head scan, part two. If you want to know more about mutant video, you should read my interview with them in Special Interest 10, which is a noise, industrial, and etc. magazine. Where would they get that? You could go to Freak Animal. Well, it's nhfastore.net, which is the Freak Animal Northern Heritage Store. I've got some copies, so you could contact me directly. Or look at other fine retailers of noise and noise-related stuff, like Malignant and Deutsch Asphalt, and I don't know. Anyways, Mutant Video do this really weird, mostly instrumental, industrial, ambient noise shit that is way more about amphetamines and muscle cars and big-tittied ladies than... I like those things. yeah any European noise. It's made by dudes from the Midwest and Pacific Northwest. They're, most of the releases are either self-released or on Iron Lung Records from Iron Lung, who fucking rule. And they have... they Their stuff is like Cronenberg, that classic Cronenberg-era-themed type body horror meets amphetamine psychosis and muscle cars and big-tittied women. I love all of those things. It's really weird. And Headscan wasn't the first I heard by him, but it was my most coveted release, at least for a point. And then I had other things that were even harder to get. I basically own, I own, I'd say 85% of everything both people have done that's in the noise or industrial realm. They both have a lot of like side projects and other stuff. There's Abyssinian Flag and Drowner and, oh fuck, what's that other one? Um... But there, I love this whole nexus of like weirdo shit. There's so little crossover in the actual noise scene. It's just like a bunch of power, like power violence dudes who are into this stuff, weirdly enough. Um, but again, a band I heard while I was drinking a little bit, but mostly when I got sober, like right after I got sober. And I just kept thinking, damn, if only I had this music for the days on when I used to do a ton of speed. Like this is the perfect music for sitting in a parking lot staring at this like sort of horizon while the day turns into night or the night turns into day like type of like bleary eyed like just like flickering lights oh. in a parking oh. lot yeah and you're just like i can't go home and i can't go to my girlfriend's house and i don't know where to go and i just feel fucking awful and my mouth feels like it's full of sand type of shit
you hear it. It's just like weird, lingering, bad vibes music. Yeah, yeah. It's not for all the big titties. It's just what you want in your head, but not what you're seeing in the real life. So, <laughs> you brought back a very visceral, visceral memory. Which, uh, quick story. Uh, right before I moved back from Alabama, I was staying with this dude, and I was at a party, and I was trying to bring this chick back so I could bang her, and I called my roommate, I'm like, yo, I'm on my way back home with this girl, and he's like, dude, you can't come here. I was like, what do you mean I can't go there? He's like, well, my mom's here, my brother's here, and my brother's kid's here. And I'm thinking, like, so, one, I'm not going to get to have sex with this girl inside, which, fine, whatever. We'll do it in her car. That's fine. But then I'm going to have to stumble in all drunk, and all these people are going to be so awful and boring and annoying. So, in protest to my roommate not allowing me to Come uh, back have sex bang. with this girl in the house, even though I wasn't paying him rent... Uh, uh, she was about to start her period, but hadn't yet, so she had a tampon in, so we threw that on the lawn, and then I threw the used condom on the lawn, mm. and then I went inside, and just, just so shitty, I was so shitty, and did a bunch of speed with his brother until the fucking sun came up, he's like, dude, I got all this speed, you wanna do some speed? And I'm like, yeah, 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 I wanna, yes, do I have to pay you? No. Great! Yeah. Great. That's the perfect kind of speed. Great. The free kind. And then I told him that I'd sell a bunch of his speed uh, at the bar, but instead I just went and drank at the bar and did all the speed. <laughs> yeah. And then a couple days later I moved home. Nice. Yeah. Up top. Up top. Yeah, it's called healthy living. Yeah. So. I was a real piece of shit. Yeah, well, what can you do? Anyways, they're, they're, they're pretty sick. Their last record, well, it doesn't matter. Check out Mutant Video. Check out the interview I did with them. It's... It was frustrating, but a rewarding experience overall. Their tapes can be hard to find. Don't spend a ton of money on them because they do eventually come back up for reasonable prices. There's sort of a market goes up and down, but mutant video rule. And that uh, head scan part two is probably the best. It's probably the, well, kind of. Their final album is also very, very sick. Moving on. Moving on. So here's the record I want played in part at my funeral. Paul Bearer. Paul Bearer. Paul Bearer. Paul Mall Cop. Paul Bearer. Paul Bearer Mall Cop. Sorrow and Extinction. Will, so, will it be played during the part where I'm I'm bearing your Paul? No. Uh, so the legend is going to play... I don't know. It kind of depends on my mood and the song I'm listening to currently, but most likely the legend will play as they bring my ass into the church, cathedral, whatever situation we got. Tent, I'm guessing. It'll probably be more like a tent. It'll be like a revival tent. I got it, I got it all worked out. Yeah, and then we've got Given to the Grave will be obviously played as I'm placed into the grave or as my funeral pyre is lit or alternatively as you shoot a flaming arrow into my canoe that's being pushed, you know, out in the water. We're going to do all three things. The question yeah, we're gonna is which songs. we're going to bury you, dig you up. No, no, no. We're, we're going to have to. People have to die for this, but we will be needing three corpses. I think my real corpse, I want to be the... Can't we just chop you into thirds? No. 
Oh, come on. No, because I need a whole body in there. Although I do kind of love that idea. Like, have my head in one spot, my torso in the other, and my yeah. arms and legs in the boat. That would be kind of fun. And your genitals. Yeah. Um, the genitals. But I last. do want... I want it to look like the scene from Return of the Jedi where Darth Vader is on the pyre. That has to happen. And I also need to be buried so that I can have a sick gravestone that says well, later nerds. Well, yeah, that's true. But, I mean, like, we could make you, like... You know, mannequin parts. True. True so. to fill out the suit. Yeah. Love that. That is, that's some fucking progressive thinking because the other two bodies were going to be a problem, but now we don't have to worry about yeah, it. Yeah, the real key thing is here, you have to die first. Yeah. I don't, I'm not super worried. I could kill myself at any moment. That's true. And if you really do struggle with suicide, we strongly encourage you to get professional help, etc., etc. So, anyway. Goddamn millennials <laughs> always making suicide jokes. Uh, I... I heard about this record when it came out. It looked sick, but I also wasn't listening to so much Doom. I was really into death metal during this period. And I was like, ah, whatever. I had opportunities to buy their demos like multiple times over, which of course now I'm hugely kicking myself in the nuts because they're all worth a ton of money. And then I saw them next year when I was newly sober, like two months sober at Maryland Death Fest. Not even two months. Just, just about two months. And I had... No real expectations, and they were fucking amazing. The smell of weed smoke and the smoke itself were so dense at that outside tent when I saw them. And I was sober, but it was, like, just enough to be, like, I don't... And I don't even like weed, but I'm like, I don't want to smell some weed. I didn't, but they were fucking amazing. I bought their album on the spot right afterwards, and the first thing I did when I got home was listen to it. And then, like, the next day started bar prep classes, and so I really wanted to die. But the song The Legend is, it's like the, it's not the greatest Doom song ever, but it's the greatest modern Doom song ever, I guess I would say. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Electric Wizard or those other types of throwback Doom revival bands. I am a fan of Paul Bear. The sort of really high-pitched singing of the lead singer who can barely, sounds like he can barely sustain it on top of the wildly emotional, huge solos. And just, like, it's just the perfect amount of epicness and earnestness all together in a way that just totally rocks. Uh, it's the it's the tits. And then Given to the Grave is, like, the incredible closer. But this the album's only five songs. Every song is good. And last year, Jared and I saw them perform the whole album for this special one-off show in New York or in um, Philadelphia, and it was fucking amazing. And I had seen them before, but without the context and knowledge. Like at this show, everybody knew all the words to all their songs. Nobody can sing that high. Thank God, most people didn't try because it's. I'm gonna play a clip in a second. You'll understand why. But I mean, it was it was so cool to be in a place where everybody knew and loved and worshipped this record. I've never listened to their new albums, which I understand to be even hypothetically better. But it's like, I don't. How are they going to top this record? Like this I is. I don't wanna. No, well, it's just. I mean, this is quite literally the music I want to accompany my funeral services. It doesn't really. How can I fuck with that? You know what I mean? I don't care how good their subsequent records are. I don't believe that I'm going to hear a song that tops the legend as far as you know, how I want people to think of me and what I, you know, what I want them to hear as my fucking lifeless corpse is being wheeled out. So on that note, let's listen to the legend for a second. Hey,
happiness by stopping that song, and I hate you. For I it. know. Well, but we'd be here all night. That's true. We're already here all night. It it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it also makes me sad because I know <sighs> at one point I'll have to listen to it and you'll be dead. Yeah. Although. That'll be I sick. Might, I might steal a like. I might steal one of your like. I gotta get one of your bones. Oh yeah, I'll give you a bone. Yeah. <laughs> you sure will. You know how I died. With Ben sucking my dick. <laughs> it was just like, Ben, why? I mean, like, I know your best friend's dead, but you looked really uncomfortable at the funeral. Like, more uncomfortable than just sad. Oh, yeah, no, I got Frank's femur in my ass. <laughs> Classic bone. It was, it was in his will. So, that's on Profound Lore, 20 bucks spin, record rules. Don't I be an I, idiot, listen to it. Yeah, I think I missed some of these labels, but oh well. Uh, yeah, if you haven't listened to Paul Bearer already, unless you're like a baby, then you don't have an excuse and you're a bitch. So, you're take a that. fucking coward. The next one, Purity Rings. Purity Rings. There's only one ring. Purity Ring Shrines, also on 4AD. This was an incredible year for 4AD. This is a good one. It's, it's a weird one-off record. I'm like I mean, the Mandarin of not getting fucked. Anyway, please go ahead. <laughs> so, Purity Ring is like... Uh, when I first heard this record, I was on a bunch of heroin, and my buddy was really trying to get me into it, and I was like, nah. I'm on heroin. Yeah. Well, he didn't really understand that, so it you was just... something that's more heroin-like. Yeah. We were trying to play Cards Against Humanity for the first time I'd ever played it, and I kept dipping out and just dropping all my cards on the you floor. You don't play games with other people while you're on heroin? I, well, he didn't know. You could have left. No, I couldn't have. I was on heroin. I was on heroin. <laughs> I didn't care. Yeah. Everybody cared but me. I was just really tired, the person man. I was, yeah, I was so tired. I was. I, I was tired. I kept dipping out. But anyway, I didn't like this record very much then, and I missed a chance to see them live. Then a year later, I'm sober. I'm listening to this record. I'm like, this record's fucking sick. I must have been on drugs. Oh, wait. And I got to see them tour for their next album which is good but not as good and uh this is a great record i'm not even gonna bother to play it though again like this is a big deal record you should know what it sounds like yeah it's purity ring it's it's synth pop with this like trap stuff to it uh and in the i don't know like it's 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 big big room arena synth pop but do they have the guts to stick it out? They're, they're no Depeche Mode in the sense of they do not seem to be the songwriting powerhouse of a band like Depeche Mode. So even though it's arena rock sounding stuff, you're still just playing it regular venues. Not to say that Purity Ring don't rule, but the next one, okay, Rain, Rhymey, however it's said. We've been over this record a few times. We've talked about this show. I'm going to be quick with it. Quarter turns over a living line. On Black is Ever Black, Ben, you and I saw them play this record live. Yes, we did. It still remains one of the greatest shows I've ever been it was to. Fucking awesome. Side Church at the temp first temp first Unitarian Church. We went with Daffy. It was so cool. The visuals were so fucking cool. It was just three of us sitting in a very dark room on church pews. It was one of the. Few, it was one of the few shows that I've been to in sobriety that I was like, really kind of wish I was on fucking drugs right now. Just melting into that thing and just... The, but it felt like we were on drugs because the way that it was... 
The intensity of the sound with the way that they so perfectly matched the visuals. Oh, they're so good. And and the the it's again one of those records and bands that they've done a lot of well they've done some interesting stuff since, but really mostly nothing nothing has been even close to as good as this record. And most of their stuff doesn't even match up to the records they did leading up to it. So I really don't understand what happened. Sometimes their new shit's interesting. But they fucking peaked with this one, apparently. And and it's one of the greatest dark ambient, club-oriented, or club-informed dark ambient, like sound sculpture, whatever, whatever, whatever things. We talked about Dim DK Stare. We talked about Hacks and Cloak. We've talked about other bands like that. This is like a lot of those, but it's way better. It's so sharp, but at the same time, it's living and breathing. It's it's guitar chords stretched over Tetsuo the Iron Man, like wrapped in, I don't know, just like this like layer of flesh and then xenomorph teeth, but all like happening underwater in slow motion while it's on fire. It's like fucking... Fuck. And, uh... And all of those things were in their backing videos. <laughs> yeah. but I'm going to spare you guys a little bit. Four more to go. And we're done. 2012. <laughs> 7-H Target, Fast Slow Demolition. I recently reviewed this on BDMFT. You sure did. I have their flat brim. You I have sure do. four of their shirts. I have all of their records. Well, except for one. And I worship this band. It's Tetsuo, the Bullet Man, the Body Hammer, the Iron Man, Informed... Uh, brutal death metal from Russia. It has echoes of Discordance Axis as much as Denova Virus, and then it samples liberally from Cronenberg films and Shinya Tsukamoto films, and then a bunch of like more recent Japanese cyberpunk gore horror weirdo shit. I've already played them before. I'm not gonna go again, but. I mean, this is again, this is, and this is a hugely retroactive ad. This was I heard I heard them five years after this record came out. It still sounds as the best record in their discography, and this band is the reason why I got like into full on doy doy brutal 
like slamming death metal. So, you know, fuck me. Okay. Only if you wear the flat bro. Which is all the time now. Yeah. I wear it into work. I have my suit on and I'll have my seven inch target flat brim because I don't care about myself yeah, or my people on the street are definitely friends. not like that guy's a fucking idiot. Yeah, he's real weird. And then I'll have my Nikes on because gotta be comfortable. No, like, Nikes can work with a suit. You know what doesn't? A flat brim. Yeah, you look like target. you're going to court. Yeah, I know. Not as for, a not for, as a lawyer. For, yeah, yeah, as a litigant. I agree. I agree. Uh, <laughs> wore that into a law. Hey, yo, judge. <laughs> Yo, my dog, you know I'll be out here trying, you know, like... One of my weed. Anyway, oh, move on. Oh, yeah. So, this was a last-minute ad, but I listened to this album again two days ago and thought, yeah, this has to make the list. And basically, all the best stuff, to my taste, happened before 2010, but Shackleton has still been going hard ever since. And... I just heard his 2017 album with Vengeance Tenfold, which is really cool, but I've only heard it once. With who? Vengeance Tenfold. Oh, Jesus Christ. I thought you said Avenge Sevenfold, and I was <laughs> actually going to fucking hit you in the face. Yeah, I know. It does sound like oh. it could be that. Uh, anyways, I don't know. I don't have the relationship with his new stuff enough to say top ten, but this... this He did a double album that was a bunch of EPs as one album, and then a separate album called Music for the Quiet Hour slash the Draw Bar Organ EPs. I'm basically talking about Music for the Quiet Hour, which was the CD-only album. And again, this is with Vengeance Tenfold, who basically acts as this weird narrator type for this swirling cosmic journey that Shackleton takes us on. This, again, one of those where, as far as the artist's discography goes... It started with the Soundboy Suicide Note EP, which Vengeance narrates pretty much through. That was kind of the precursor to this, which is like an entire five-part sweet concept album type of a thing. And signified all the really wild out there stuff. Like when I, Shackleton is organized in my computer by like when the genre stuff happens from three EPs on, it's just the genre is Shackleton because there's nothing else that sounds like it. People call it like travel ambient or a bunch of other stupid bullshit. It just is Shackleton's music. There is no one else doing this. So what else would I call it? But like Shackleton is genre. I'm going to play a very quick part of this, but it's a five part like movement whole like bunch of things. So it doesn't really, this only shows you a very small fragment of like a bajillion different sounds that he brings in and out and all the rest. From rechts nach links. Von oben nach unten. Von rechts nach links. Links, links, links.
apocalyptic mission. Candles against fission. of acid and i'm flipping through channels but they all stuck yeah and are playing at once yeah but that's somehow are working together that's a really good uh, description so his it's funny because he and ricardo villalobos operate on two sides of the same fucked up coin which is just this like heady like psycho psychedelic club music that's not for any clubs anymore Bill Lobos has still stayed way more club friendly, whereas Shackleton is just like doing. He's like Spongle if they weren't awful, <laughs> yeah. And which is really like, and I mean, it's because it at times it strays so close to that type of like Burning Man enlightenment type of yeah. drug desert bullshit that I can't get into it. But mostly, it avoids that pratfall, and. My love of the Skull Disco era has only increased over time because I remember when those records came out and being like, I think I like this, but this is fucking weird. And then buying the comp and being like, no, this is pretty fucking good. And then like a couple years going by and be like, this shit is amazing. And then hearing the second comp and being like, oh, whoa. And then hearing three EPs and being like, oh my God. And then. I feel like you have the same reaction to gay porn though. Yeah, that's pretty true. But. This this one this is a mind blinder. If you can't get down with this, then you're not going to get pretty much into anything he's done since. But I really like it's like psychedelic music that doesn't require like it would be would suck if you're on psychedelics. Yeah, it it's, would be way too much. Yeah, it's it like maybe if you were at a club and like had the no. physicality of it, but nope. I don't. Yeah, I think it's nope. way too. So instead, I just listen to it while I walk my dog, and I'm like, this is fun. 
And it's generally, again, because it has those sort of like new age but fucked up vibes, there is a certain level of twisted humor, but also like general positivity to the human kind and condition, which I'm not always in the mood for. Sometimes I want to listen to male supremacy, but... You know, this you is sometimes nice. Sometimes you're not in the mood for fun, nice music, Frank. But it's it's still too weird and fucked up to be fun. Yeah. But this one, that the clip I played, that when it hits that boom, boom, just like stupid bass, like oh fuck, it works so good. And then he's got all these xylophones going and all this goofy, weird shit. <laughs> yeah, it's it, but it gets stuck in your little brisane. It's it's good. It's like a little puzzle. I I like it a lot. Um, so yeah, I felt like. I gotta get Shackleton on this list somewhere. This is probably the one. I, I come back to this. I'm like, this fucking weirdo shit. I love this. Like, I fuck with it. When I'm in the mood. Otherwise, you fuck right off with all those dang-dung xylophones. Get your dang-dang xylophone out of here. Okay. Sia, Living with Ghosts, Hot Flush, LP, CD. Sia, along with Shifted, is one of those British dudes who came out with this sort of post-Samwell District... Uh, very influenced by coming from sort of hidden and obscure backgrounds to make really good techno. But he started as a UK bass guy, then started making techno. Now is into like a mixture of techno or sound art stuff. His two albums are both amazing, but I kind of like his, I still like his first one the best. And I think I've talked enough about on the episode last time, Samuel District and Surgeon. This is the kind of shit that I got into as a result of 2011's techno bounty. And Sia remains one of my favorites. I'm going to play Puritan from Living with Ghosts, which was later redone as New Puritan a few years ago, which is on this. Anyways, this is Wolf. <laughs> like atmospheric whooshiness that really makes the tracks sound deeper and are easier to listen to than a lot of other newer quote-unquote industrial or like 
sort of minimal hard techno artists more like shifted does a lot of this kind of stuff but his music sounds a lot more granular and can be a lot harsher on the ears right whereas like living with ghosts is so streamlined but still kind of whooshy that it's (laughs) whooshy really it's whooshy it's it's pretty chill even at its hardest and the drums are like not too click clacky you just get thick heavy bass kicks and these you know kind of sounds things like that I really like this record. There's a titty on the front. It's like some skinny girl, and you just see like the side side titty for a second. That's pretty cool. I'm not about to dig it off my shelf just to show you a side titty. But needless to say, I'm living with titties as much as I'm living with ghosts. It's a great <laughs> it's a great techno record. The it's one of those where the CD has way more tracks. It's definitely the better get. But I had to buy the vinyl because if it's techno, you gotta buy the vinyl. That's just how it's done. Yeah, you're a consumer whore. No, I get it. And to wrap it all up, got Posh Isolation's greatest compilation ever, in my opinion. Port Out, Starboard Home, Double Cassette, all music about women getting shipped from the Balkans and Eastern Europe to other parts of Europe to be sex workers. Huh. It is surprisingly, it's like that, it's the height of melancholy industrial pyrotronic stuff. It's like this sort of pseudo romantic whatever it very clearly shows in my opinion the where where posh isolation is going to go with all their non-noise stuff but still focusing on water and sex work and club culture that features balkan sex workers and like all these weird themes that just show up over and over and over again in slight permutations but you hear the more like classic industrial power electronics version of it here the whole thing is good. Most people bring their A game. A lot of people deliver tracks that are better than any other solo tapes they've ever done. And to top it all off, you get in my, I think is easy to argue the greatest song on Posh Isolation ever and the greatest Damien Dubrovnik track. And I'm gonna play a clip for that now. It's called Borders Crossed by Boat.
a thing over a little bit of feedback. Loki Rob X just pained vocals. And has this nice little fade out. It's it's just really good. It's I don't know, it doesn't do anything different really for the most part than a lot of other Damien Dubrovnik songs. But I think it just hits the theme and the vibe just right. The whole the whole compilation is really nicely balanced between industrial music and tape music and power electronics and synth stuff and all all of those things that made Posh Isolation so unique. And it's funny because I had I had I think it was the second tape. I had two of the tapes from the original Posh Isolation batch from way back when I bought them at a hospital. And they were not very good. And one of them was Sarah's Charity, Damien Dubrovnik split tape. And thankfully I ripped it. But I sold it for like 40 bucks a couple of years later once the label started to blow up. And now that tape would be worth hundreds of dollars. You but, fucking idiot. I know. But at the same time, it still like wasn't that very, it wasn't that good. It wasn't that interesting. Like They went on to do much better things. I have this compilation, which I'd much prefer. But... It's a monster comp. I listened to this a shitload when I was in Russia. I listened to it a shitload when I was reading Book of the New Sun. And it's one of the few... I I used to have a lot of posh isolation tapes. I've sold a lot of them over the years because they're good. But like the best thing to come out of posh was Lust for Youth and Damien Dubrovnik. And I have most of those things. And I sold most of the rest. So... Um, yeah, anyways, it's a it's a really good comp and if you can track it down or get the good MP3s, highly recommend. But that all those are my favorite records from 2012. There are a lot of them. As always, I hope that you might have heard something you're interested in and might check out something new as if you've listened to this episode and um fucking sick. I got nothing else. Great. Well, that's going to do it for our continuing series called Dick Fetty's Opinion on Music for the Last Ten Years. Don't worry, guys. You kids don't <laughs> even know about the rap. Don't worry, guys. I'll get my chance to talk again soon. Or, depending on what you guys feel, worry very much, because I'll get my chance to talk soon. So, I'm loving this series. I think this is really cool. When are we going to be able to do this again? Literally never. Because yeah. we'll both be dead within the next five years. Up top. So that's all we got for BDMFT this week, folks. We will see you next time. We'll see you in hell. Later, nerds. Bye.